This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner. Today's guest is Richard Bergen, creator of the movie Fang. It's about a man who gets bitten by a rat and slowly thinks he's turning into one. I was bitten by a rat a long time ago. That's terrible to hear. I hope you didn't think you were turning into a rat. Of course not. I'm still perfectly norm weight. Is that cheese over there? Attention Rebels of the Sure Pollution. Today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa Chalet. As a reminder, please don't disturb the yak. Coming to you from Sherpa Chalet in beautiful downtown Mount Podcastia, it's time for entertainment interviews in the Sherpa Screening Room. Grab an aisle seat and a bucket of popcorn, but don't crunch too loud or you'll miss the show. Now, here's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Hey there, Rebels, and welcome to the Sherpa Screening Room, a production of Too Many Podcasts and Sherpa Lou Studios. It's all me once you put it all together anyway. And who am I? Jim, the podcast Sherpa, your buddy, your pal, with another interesting interview. This week, we are talking to a guy named Richard Bergen, and Richard is the creator of a movie called Fang, and if you're wondering, is that a horror movie? You would be correct, my friends. And it's a very interesting movie. And in our conversation, Richard tells me how he got the inspiration for the movie and how he managed to get everything all together. And as far-fetched as the story of a man possibly turning into a rat may sound, it actually is a little bit reflective of what's going on in Richard's life. I know that sounds a little unusual, but he will explain that to you in our conversation. I had a really nice time talking to the guy from Chicago, as they say, and we talked a lot about movies and what went into creating this movie. So let's have a listen. Hello there, Rebels. We are in the Sherpa screening room with a new face on the scene here. He has created a new movie in the horror genre. <laughs> and we're going to talk about his new movie and everything that he has put into creating this movie. His name is Richard Bergen, and he's coming to us from Chicago via El Zumo. <laughs> so, Richard, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me. Uh, no problem. You're very welcome, sir. You've been a movie fan all your life. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I didn't always, I didn't always know I wanted to be a director. I kind of started out, you know, when I was a kid. Like I went through a number of different phases uh, creatively. Like you know, I went through a phase of you know being interested, you know, in music, being interested in writing, being interested in comedy, animation, and you know, lots of different stuff and then one day i realized you know well i always think in in pictures you know i'm a very visual thinker and again when i approach the uh 
you know, writing of the script, I always do it visually. So that's when I knew kind of that I was always destined to be a director. And I'd always, you know, I'd always been a fan of uh, movies, but I think it was really, for me, realizing that this was like the best way you know, to tell stories, because I've always been a storyteller, and that I realized that this, this is the way to do it. This is, this captures, you know, everything else. Were you always a fan of the horror genre, or did you really like all sorts of movies? I, I like all sorts of uh, movies. You know, of course, uh, I'm a horror guy, uh, too. <laughs> but I, I, like to, I like to draw inspiration, you know, from a number of different uh, sources, because I figure if you're, if you're if you're making a horror movie and then you're just watching horror movies, it might not be as fresh as if you're watching like you know like say something completely unrelated because you can get ideas you know from from something totally different and then you never know that might end up like being relevant you know to your horror uh, premise or whatnot. Sure, I guess you could probably take like the simplest kid story and turn it on its head and make a horror movie out of that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of like Fang. I mean, we have a we have a talking rat that's like, you know, Disney, like it's like the dark side of uh, Disney. <laughs> it's Ratatouille's evil brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, and by the way, the name of the movie is called Fang. And uh, why don't you let everybody know the parts that you're handling uh, in, in creating this movie, Richard? Well, I, was, I, uh, I wrote the uh, screenplay for it last year over a period of five months. And then after that, I uh, got my production team on board and, you know, I said, I'm going to direct the movie. And originally I planned on acting in it too, but then I realized that's way too much. You know, you know, I, 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 can, I can overestimate how many things I could do at once. Sometimes I'm like, okay, writing and directing is enough. And then, and then I executive produced it too. And now, you know, I've been very kind of uh, hands-on in the editing. I'm not the editor because that was another thing I thought I could do that I ended up outsourcing to. But I've been very kind of, you know, I've reviewed a lot of the edits in post-production. And, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really wonderful to see, you know, how the, how the movie evolves, you know, because from the beginning it was very kind of rough and now, you know, I think we're just a few more, you know, edits away from from nailing it down, you know, just, and it's going to be such a beautiful feeling when it's done. It's going to be, you know, the, the, there's no better feeling than, than when you finish this huge project. People are eating their popcorn and screaming. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the best part. That is the best part. <laughs> that's the payoff, right? <laughs> Damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> How, how did you learn to do a lot of these things with writing and, and knowing how to direct a movie? That's no small feat. Well, I'm, I'm self-taught. I, uh, I basically, you know, the only education I've gotten in this, like in a, on a technical level was in high school. I took a creative writing class and a video production class in high school. And then after that, from there, I basically just figured things out on my own. It's kind of like a, you know, it's trial and error. You uh, you sit, you you do it, and then you realize, well, I could do this better. And then with directing, I think that really comes intuitively to me because I don't always know how to put into words what I want, but I know what I don't want, and I know when somebody is doing it wrong. You know, I know when, like the actors, you know, if they don't quite get it, that I that I work with them, and say, okay, you know, I, this is this is more like what I want, and then you know. 
and then usually they can they can do it. And I think I think we re- we really had some really terrific actors and uh, Fang. They really did a great job. You know, they they went beyond my expectations. Tell a little bit about the story about the movie. I know you don't want to give too much. No, away, yeah, they, did you kind of general overview for the listeners? Well, it's kind of a horror drama where you know it follows this uh, family, this kind of this blue collar family in Chicago, and the protagonist is a young man named Billy. He's 23 years old. He works as a janitor at a meat processing plant, and little does he know that he has undiagnosed autism, as well as a host of other mental health issues like OCD, paranoia, and well, eventually... He gets he goes beyond just uh, being paranoid, but I don't I don't want to spoil anything. So then uh, Billy lives with his mother Gina, who is dying from Parkinson's, and so the kind of the tension between them is a big part of the uh, movie, and that's really the so the first half of it is kind of dominated by that kind of family drama, and then one night Billy goes to the bathroom like around three in the morning, middle of the night, and then. He finds this rat, and then the rat chases him out of the bathroom and bites him. And so it's this very kind of traumatic thing. He gets bitten by a rat, and then he has to get this big shot. But then after he gets bitten by the rat, he he starts to feel more and more like a rat. He starts to see rat fur on his arms. He starts to think, like, you know, am I turning into a rat? And then And then the rats start talking to him. And so that's kind of the, that's basically the premise. Man thinks he's turning into a rat. There it is in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can understand the build up to that though, Richard. <laughs> well, was there anything that inspired you to create that story? I mean, it's a, definitely a very unique kind of, there's definitely a lot of psychological stuff just in your description as well. Oh, well, thank you, uh, Jim. I'm glad you uh, find it unique because I'm always trying to be sure that it's not too similar <laughs> <laughs> Something else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess you know, you have influences, but then I think you know you want to turn your influences into something unique. But as for what inspired me to uh, write Fang, it was partly inspired by my personal life, my relationship with my dad, who also has Parkinson's, and I have high-functioning Asperger's, which was an influence on the character of Billy. Although he's a good bit more extreme than me, I'm not. I'm not exactly insane, even if I act that way sometimes. <laughs> well, we're having a perfectly pleasant conversation here, so I'm not worried. No, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> for now, for now. <laughs> if it gets a little scary and like the lights accidentally go off, you know, well, what can I say? Oh uh, yeah. Well, we're in different <laughs> states, so you have a little thousand-mile security blanket. <laughs> well, you know, I don't like to take too many chances, Richard. So. <laughs> Were there any directors that uh, influenced you with their styles or anything like that? Or you really just kind of wanted to give it a very raw approach and just put your own spin on it and not be influenced by anybody? Well, I think to some degree it's impossible not to be influenced, you know, because anybody who's seen, you know, movies, anybody who loves movies is going to have these movies playing in the back of their head. So I would say that probably the number one influence for this particular movie would be Hitchcock. Like, I think it's kind of, you know, you could say that, like, the mother-son relationship is kind of, is a little bit, like, psycho only. At the same time, it's very different. 
it's a very different, you know, time. It's a very different context. And I think like any kind of surreal uh, movie that is made nowadays, it's undeniable that there's definitely a strong uh, Lynch influence as well. I think that, you know, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, I think, I think David Lynch, I mean, people, people really underestimate just how much he's influenced as a uh, director. And I, I feel like I'm influenced by him without even intending to. There's also a kind of, that was influenced, you know, by Taxi Driver, you know, kind of that Scorsese kind of grittiness, that urban kind of grime and, and, and filth. And so that was kind of, you know, this is kind of like, so you could say it's kind of in the mold of a Taxi Driver, Psycho, and I guess uh, whatever movie has a talking uh, rat in it, it's kind of like all that kind of synthesizing in my head. We, we won't say Charlotte's Web. No. <laughs> yeah, this is like the hard R horror version of, of Charlotte's Web. <laughs> What do you think of state of horror movies today? Do you think that certain genres of horror get kind of overplayed? There's there's no originality? Or do you think that there's like a new wave coming? Well, I think that each era kind of has its trends. And, you know, what seems very fresh and original one day can seem kind of stale the next day. So I would say that I think the current trend in horror is kind of this art house horror. I think that's really kind of dominated things for the last five years. You have kind of these movies that are, it's like they're trying to make it seem more, you know, artistic and not just like horror. But I think that, you know, that there are limitations to that too you know because you could say that fang in a sense is kind of like that kind of a movie it is kind of like an art horror film but i think it's also very visceral it's very raw and i I don't want it to be too kind of you know i want it to be kind of a movie that you know people who are really struggling can relate to because they can feel it i want them i want people to feel you know what these characters are, are going through i want them to feel the violence and and madness of this of this kind of really twisted uh, family unit. You know, it's funny, a while back, uh, I was interviewing Oliver Robbins, and Oliver Robbins played the son in Poltergeist. Oh, cool. And uh, just recently, he came out with a movie that he directed. Oh, wow. And we were talking about, you know, scary movies and everything like that, and he said, Jim, he says, we're in a pandemic. He says, if people aren't scared already, he says, you got to up your game to make sure that they're really scared. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of this movie, like I said, I don't want you to give too much away. It is kind of like a psychological horror movie from from your description. It is, yeah. Well, I want, I want it to be ambiguous, you know, whether Billy is really turning into a rat or not, or if it's all in his head. And then eventually we find out the answer at the end, but I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to spoil what happens during his uh, transformation, quote unquote. But yeah, so it is very, so we have that ambiguity about what is real and what is kind of this paranoid uh, delusion. But then even for the things that are objectively real, the psychology of the characters is really the major driver of the plot. These characters are very kind of damaged and they relate to each other in ways that are, are very destructive to themselves and others. Is the cast very large? I mean, you have Billy and his mother 
are there other people kind of coming into play into the plot of the movie without again without giving too much away? We have the uh, we have we have three the three main uh, leads, and then we have kind of the supporting characters who each get a few good scenes. I like to give each kind of minor character a chance to shine at at least one scene. And, but then so the three main characters are Billy, who is played by uh, Dylan Luray. He was an actor who auditioned for the role through backstage here in Chicago. And then what really impressed me about his audition is that he was one of the few actors who understood that a lot of the role is nonverbal. You know, because it's like, like when I watched the different audition videos, everybody kind of wanted to do like the monologues. You know, they wanted to showcase the line delivery. But Dylan uh, really showed you know that he could capture kind of the physicality of billy and and that really that really stood out to me more than any of the other uh actors who auditioned and then we have his mother gina who is played by the veteran horror actress lynn lowry who I'm sure many of uh, your listeners will recognize. She uh, worked with uh, Cronenberg and Romero when she was younger. And then she told me when we were doing it that this is one of her favorite roles that she's ever done. It's like a huge range of emotion, so it's going to be really good. And then the third main character is Gina's caregiver, Myra, who is played by Jess Paul. And uh, Myra is kind of the uh, straight man in this family she's like the she's like the main she's like the most important character who's sane and she is kind of trying to help billy and gina you know they're but they're kind of their insanity is kind of uh going you know but it's kind of like beyond her capacity to understand and help so that's but she kind of makes this kind of noble effort to save them, and we'll all find out soon enough if they can be saved. <laughs> okay. It's interesting what you were saying about the actor Dylan playing Billy, because you're saying you were really impressed by the facial expressions and not so much the fact that he could deliver a monologue. And I guess when there's something that's psychological like that, that's what, you know, you, you've got to see what's going on in the character's mind. And it's whether it's a blank look on their face or that look of fear you know, I guess as he's looking maybe at his arms or his hands and he's and he's seeing that there's claws and there's the red fur, he's yeah, seeing absolutely. things in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's definitely it's very it's like so much of acting is uh, you know, non verbal, a lot of it, you know, just you know, having the right facial expressions is crucial. Even you know, because you can deliver the lines in a bunch of different ways and make it sound natural. Like as long as you make it sound natural, you're good. But if we don't see it in your face, you know, if we don't see what you're going through in your face, then you know, then that then that's not really acting. You know, you have to really kind of embody the character. And I could tell it was getting difficult. For Dylan at times, you know, it was very intense. We have a lot of intense emotional scenes in Fang and that and that doing that day after day could be really hard. And some some of the filming locations, you know, we filmed in uh, Chicago in January and February. So the weather was sometimes an issue. Little windy and cold there. My That's friend. right. <laughs> <laughs> Were there other projects that you had wanted to do? Apart from Fang, were you writing other things, or was this the, your main focus from like the time that you got out of high school? Well, this is my first feature film, 
although it's not the only project uh, I've been working on, I, I, I conceived of, you know, I wanted to make a movie that I could finance, you know, myself basically with money from my family. And so, you know, cause I, so I wanted to write something that is a relatively limited cast of characters. That's like limited locations, you know, just kind of pare it down. So it's like this, you know, it could almost be like a play, you know, with like a few small changes. This could be like a stage play and, you know, have it on Broadway or probably off, off uh, Broadway because the subject better. Since this is your first movie and you're a first time movie maker, what kind of advice would you give to people who wanted to pursue this? What should they do? Well, my first advice would be write something that could be filmed as uh, inexpensively as possible. You know, the cheaper it is to make, the more likely it is to get made. If you could film something with your cell phone and your friends and make it work, that would be ideal because then there are no barriers preventing you from getting it made. But if you're writing something that has these huge CGI set pieces, you might think that's what... Hollywood wants, and that is what they want. They just don't want it from you because you're an unknown filmmaker. So you have to kind of start with the lower budgets and then work your way up, and gradually you'll you'll get offered more money to make movies. That would be my that would be my top piece of advice. Was that a, how a lot of your movie was filmed? Did you use like iPhones and everything like that? Uh, no, no, that? no. We had a, we had a little bit bigger budget than that, but I know that a lot of people are, are struggling. You know, during the pandemic, that's why I threw the uh, iPhone thing out there. The reason why I ask is uh, I interviewed a guy named Colin Bressler, and he was a cameraman on a lot of reality TV shows, and he wanted to really venture out and do his own movies. And he basically describes his movies as zero-budget horror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he said, he said, whatever I can do for really cheap, he says, and we just put it together and we make it work. And you know, when I went to his website and you could see the little promos of his movies and stuff, and they're scary little movies. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even like right down to the music where, you know, it, it, he knew how to like, he worked with a guy who knew how to build that suspense. Oh, yeah. And you, you, you knew something bad was going to happen, but you just didn't know what or when. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's crucial. And, and you were involved in, in some of your own music for, for this movie, right? Yeah, I did. I did uh, work with uh, my composer, Zach Ferguson. We uh, like he came up with some uh, music samples and then I kind of did alterations to them. And and then now my producer, Rob, is kind of mixing them together so we could have kind of the finalized uh, soundtrack. But I, I, I wanted to have it like be like a very kind of jarring and unusual soundtrack so it's kind of very autistic very industrial very kind of like kind of unnatural sounds yeah i guess that's probably a really interesting approach considering the the nature of probably the relationship you know between the characters yeah, absolutely yeah you know and that's and that and you know the odd you know the not typical maybe orchestral music that you might hear that might suggest something was building up where it's something a little jarring. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it probably gives the viewer that much more of a, uh-oh, what's going to happen now type of <laughs> feel to it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I think for Fang, it's really kind of crucial. Like, I wanted to capture that autistic experience, you know, for Billy. And like, what it can, I wanted, it, it's really at its heart, it's a movie about 
what it means to be disabled and the horror of, you know, what it can mean having a disability and being kind of shut out of the normal human activities, either because you can't walk or because you don't understand social situations. And so I think that, you know, you see a lot of movies about disability, they're very kind of feel good uh, movies, they're very sentimental. And I wanted to make a movie that was much kind of darker and showing kind of what it, how it really feels to live like this and not have it be something that's just, you know, inspiring because it's not really all that inspiring to have a disability. You just, yeah, you just have to survive. Too, yeah. but, that's right. There aren't too many uh, feel-good movies where the guy is turning into a rat. I, no, sure. no. You've got, you may have that market cornered there, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is interesting that you're doing a movie like this kind of like as an allegory to, to show people. You may think that, oh, everything is always going to be perfect, but there really is like a horror behind that. And, you know, this is just obviously a look at one character and it's... You know, and it's amplified, obviously, because he's turning into a rat. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely an interesting approach to something that probably doesn't get addressed uh, from a real perspective. And you've you've got that perspective. Probably you bringing that into the movie is going to make people really stop and wonder. Well, thank you, uh, Jim. I'm happy you feel that way. And you're right. You know, I always kind of like they always say, you know, uh, like my kind of uh, one of my mantras as a filmmaker is, you know, make the movie you want to see. Like, I didn't originally think of this movie. This was not originally what I was going to do, but then I realized, you know, is anybody else telling this story? Is anybody else making a movie that's quite like this? And then I realized, well, no, this is really different, you know, from from most of what you see out there. So then I realized, well, I have to do this. I have to tell this story and I, I have to tell it in a way that's that's real and captures, you know, through this kind of surreal nightmare, capture the reality of what these people are going through. I guess you're also lucky in a sense that if this were like a studio-made movie by a large studio, sometimes the heads of the studio... They don't like this. And oh, you should change yeah. that. And, you know, he, this person is too scary. Let's make him less scary. But because, you know, this is an independent film on from you, your vision gets to come through head and shoulders above everything else. 100%. Yeah. Oh, even then, it's still collaborative. Like, I really, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for, you know, all the people I've worked with on Making Fang who are willing to challenge me on different things because... You know, if if you if people aren't willing to uh, challenge you, and maybe your instincts are a little bit off at some point, then you know it's hard to really get it as good as it can be. But even still, you know, and I've found that my vision ends up coming out better when I collaborate with people instead of just trying to do it all by myself. I'm gonna throw two tricky questions at you. I'll give you <laughs> okay. a little time to think if you need to. That's okay. So. <laughs> If there was any movie, and it doesn't have to be limited to horror, that's been made that you wish that you made, what would it be? Well, my first instinct from a purely pragmatic perspective would be uh, Blair Witch Project, because they made a huge profit on, like, a tiny budget. And I'm thinking, man, like, they they must be set for life. (laughs) No. Okay. No, that's always the first one that pops into my head. We're going to presume that Fang is going to be 
a big hit, and I'm hoping that it will be. I hope so, so too. If you wanted to do another kind of movie, was there anything that you would be leaning towards doing, any style of movie or anything like that? Would you want to do more horror? Well, I do have my uh, next screenplay that I've been kind of working on it off and on for like about the last uh, two years or so. It's called Broken Angels. It's uh, it's more of like a thriller and it's kind of like a satire mixed with like mystery and suspense. And so the premise is that it's about this uh, guy, he's a politician in Florida and he's campaigning to be elected senator of Florida, but then he lives a double life as kind of this violent uh, predator and that is about as much as I can reveal about it without... You don't want your audience having to sleep tight, do you? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, so yeah, so it's kind of more of like a kind of a more of like a crime story than Fang. It is a little bit of it is more of a broader uh, scope with kind of this criminal underworld that this uh, that that we follow this uh, detective and his sister as they kind of are kind of getting drawn into this kind of tangled web of you know kind of of this kind of sick (laughs) politician so that's so it's so it's it's somewhat it's somewhat like fang but also very different and i look forward to filming in uh florida instead of in chicago in the winter that should be that should be a more pleasant (laughs) film shoot you, you kind of lose the credibility when you've got the Florida senator standing in a 20 below windy day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're coming to Florida. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I know that you don't have a definite release date, but you are in post-production with the movie. And this, is, uh, this interview will be on in the fall. So what I can do, you know, when it does come out, you can get in touch with me and I can let our listeners know that it's out and uh, by what mean are you going to release it to movie theaters or do you, do you want it to go the streaming route or what, what is your plan with that? Well, I would love for Fang to get a theatrical release, but realistically I know that in this day and age, very few movies get a theatrical release because you know, the theaters are kind of theaters have been declining for a while now. So even though I, I kind of, I love the kind of romance of the idea of seeing it, playing on the big screen in cities all over the country. I realized that realistically, you know, we'll probably end up selling it to a streamer and that, and you know, Hey, I mean, if it's on Netflix or shutter or Amazon prime, you know, it could get a really wide uh, audience. It could, it could really reach a lot of people. So that, that would be great if that happens. I mean, any kind of, any kind of great uh, distribution deal, I would I would be happy with, but we'll cross that uh, bridge when we get there. But ho- which hopefully won't be too much longer. Well, actually, this is kind of good because I figure since the movie's not out yet, I can probably go to the store and find a blanket to hide under when I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the blankets uh, won't have sold out yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and make sure that you're sitting next to someone who doesn't mind you grabbing their arm. Right, that's probably the other precaution. Oh yeah, yeah, you got to get an uh, arm. Uh, Got to get like a cast. Some people don't grab your arm too tight. Leave uh, scratch marks. You know, you can probably get one of those fake plastic arms. You know, those bloody hands uh, that you use. That would be good. Just, right. Yeah. Just keep it in between you and go, grab that. Don't grab me. <laughs> yeah, I'm always thinking about these things, Richard. Uh, I, no. I have no life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I'm, I'm glad you're well prepared, Jim. Be prepared. That's my motto. <laughs> Prepare for the I'm unpreparable. Trying, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the name of the movie is Fang. We have been talking to Richard Bergen. He is the creator of this movie. And when it comes out, take a look on my social media. And do you have social media, too? That I do, make? yeah. Come I'm on uh, Facebook. And uh, I'll uh, shoot you a friend request if uh, you're on there. Okay, and, and it's under your name, or is it under Fang the movie? Well, we have a Fang Facebook page, then we have my personal page. And uh, my personal page is kind of, uh, I, I post about other stuff than Fang, and Fang-related stuff, too. So it's kind of like a mix. And then Fang, then the Fang Facebook page is all Fang. Okay, so we can share those links on the show notes, so if people want to take a look. Because I'm sure you've probably piqued the interest of a couple of rebels out there who like the horror stuff, Richard. Oh, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's, the, that's what I've been hoping for. And uh, I've, uh, I've been happy to have this opportunity to spread the word about Fang to a whole new audience. And Richard, thank you so much. And everybody, keep an eye out for Fang. You're very welcome, Jim. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show, and I hope you have a great rest of your night, and uh, I hope I don't give you a heart attack when the movie comes out. (laughs) I'll just keep it in mind before the opening credits, my friend. (laughs) We're on that internet thingy at sharepollution.com. Hey, thanks a lot to Richard Bergen for swinging by the Sherpa screening room. Hope you enjoyed our little talk. And if you're checking out the show on Friday, we are talking to a guy named Mike Faber. And Mike is a super nice guy. He is a podcaster and he runs a podcast network called Earth Station One. And Earth Station Who is one of his other podcasts. We talk about Doctor Who, Comic Cons, and really cool things in his bedroom. <laughs> You'll know what I mean when we get to that. So I will see you guys on Wednesday. Don't forget to check us out on social media, Sharp Pollution, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll be there. Mr. Bruce, you know what? I'm kind of afraid of that mouse over there after this talk with Richard. Oh, that's my computer mouse? Oh, okay. Uh, never mind. Okay. Viva la Sherpa Lucian, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sherpa Screening Room. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. I'm Mr. Bruce, and this has been a Sherpa Lu Studios production. Viva la Sherpa Lucian.